You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we're doing another suburb spotlight, but we're going to move across a couple of suburbs here because I feel like it's the one agent I want to talk to about an area that's pretty homogenous. It's very similar demographics, economics between them, planning, obviously, as well. We are talking Queens Park, Cannington, and East Cannington today. We've never done three suburbs in one, but there is one man who can do three suburbs in one episode, and that's Cameron Smart from Ray White. Cam, thanks so much for coming in. It's great to be chatting to a guy that I've uh, grown up with in property over the years. We're pretty much the same age and you started very young as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pretty big honor to be invited in. So thanks very much. Your old man's been in real estate for a long time as well, hasn't he? Yeah. So you're um, part of the family business? 1984 he started. So that was yeah, nearly six or seven years before I was born. Yeah. yeah. Michael Smart. He's yep, obviously Michael. sold an absolute monster of properties around yep. the area in this time as well. Yeah, plenty of properties. You grown up in the area? Actually in Beckenham, which is one of the neighbouring suburbs over, and then in the city of Canning in St. James, so yeah. lo- local boy. We're talking Queen's Park, Cannington and East Cannington today. The reason I spoke to you before, they straddle each other. Yeah. They're all sitting behind Carousel Shopping Centre, really. Yeah. Similar town planning schemes, similar block sizes originally, at least, similar demographics. Before we move into the differences between them, can you take us right back to when things first started? And the cool thing about this area is actually, there's still so many original blocks that you can drive past and see what it was like 100 years ago. Yep, yep, definitely. What was it like 100 years ago? I can't speak to that um, (laughs) exactly, but I've got one cool historical fact about Queen's Park in particular. It wasn't always known as Queen's Park. It was known as Woodlapine. The suburb of the name was changed in 1911 because there was apparently quite a horrific murder that happened and they didn't want this murder to sort of stigmatise the area, prohibit the development. So they changed it to, to Queen's Park. After which Queen? Uh, it was uh, in honour of Queen Alexandra, wife of King Edward Seventh. So this is how far back we're going. Yeah. Pre-George, pre-Elizabeth, obviously we're getting right back yep. uh, back into those times. Before World War One. Exactly. So, yeah. Just how old this area is. And, yep. and that is demonstrated in today's contemporary market where you've got a lot of median density properties, a lot of villas, really, mm, and some yep. some small scale apartments. But you've also still got 1,000, 2,000, 4,000, 8,000 square meter blocks. Yep, 10,000 in some cases. In these areas. Isn't yep. it crazy? Yep. That 20Ks, I reckon it would be. Uh, not even. Not, not even. even. No, not even. Um, I think Cannington's like 11. Back of East Cannington would be 12, 13. Wow. 11, 12, 13 Ks from the city. You can still buy a hectare of land. Yep. Tell us a bit about that and how that affects the demographics, how it affects the push for urban infill. It sounds like a massive opportunity that most of us either have looked at and gone too hard for a number of reasons, yeah. can't get in, owners not wanting to sell, blocks being landlocked for different reasons. Can you speak yeah. to all yeah. of that? Yeah. So there's probably one thing that is most prohibitive about you know infill and development in that location, and that's the City of Canning's Town Planning Scheme 21 which they've got designated for roads to come in, but it's at each owner's discretion on when they pull that road in and they have to pay for it. In some cases, the council will reimburse them for the land the road's on, but not in all cases. So quite often you'll find, uh, particularly through the back of East Cannington, where uh, someone's got 4,000 or 8,000 square metres, you know, some blocks are 20 metres wide by 200 metres long or 40 by 200. And that particular owner might just not either want to or they don't have the capacity to pull the road in. And then you've got neighbouring properties on the other side who are waiting for this road to come in, but 
they can't do anything until owner A brings the road through. So there's all these huge blocks which are just sitting there waiting for development, but nothing's happening. Mm. So Such an opportunity. Big it, opportunity. It's the area, I think, closest to the city with the most medium format land available old land it's, yeah you know old 201 cottages on an acre yeah it's just, it's crazy to, to think that you can that can exist yeah so close to a town center like carousel as well yeah and quite often you'll see properties where developers buy property without knowing exactly they get caught out and they get caught out mm. because they think oh i'm going to turn this into eight units they they think that they can buy two and a half thousand square meters um, at r30 or r20 and they can do six to ten units and then they figure out afterwards if they hadn't spoken to a local agent or they bought a property through someone who wasn't a local agent, they didn't make them aware of the town planning scheme and they get caught out. Some cases they go belly up. So. And that's really the wild west out there in a way because there's a lot of people who have made a lot of money who have got it right and yep. they've de-risked their developments in that Cannington area. Mm. There's a lot of people who have bought, especially East Coast people, I think, who just don't know what they're buying yep. and have sold it a year or so later going, oh, this is a big yeah, waste like, of time. Without going into too much detail about you know locations and stuff, I've recently had to do like a bank sale on a property exactly like that, two and a half thousand square meters. They paid 1.1 for it. It really has no immediate potential for development. It's probably only worth seven or 800 now and they bought it 10 or 15 years ago mm. you really got to know what you're looking at what you're buying city of canning yeah has some pretty complex town planning scheme rules around mm. the contributions that developers need to contribute yep essentially yep. Uh, and which most cities don't actually have and we'll talk to them a bit later with regards to chatting on subdivisions can you give us a bit of uh flavor for the differences in terms of amenity and socioeconomics and demographics between Queen's Park, Cannington and East Cannington. How do I know I'm in those suburbs? That's a good question. They're all very similar. I wouldn't say that there is really any determining factor between, say, Cannington and, and Queen's Park in terms of differences. They're all highly developed. They're all very similarly zoned. So you've got a lot of that unit development, battle axe style development, whereas East Cannington, you can sort of more so determine that because there's a, a lot more older, bigger blocks, landlocked that are awaiting that potential for development to come in, whereas Cannington and Queen's Park didn't really have that. They were still as part of that town planning scheme, but the interior roads and sort of grid system that was built, the blocks, they weren't as long and they weren't as big. You're typically in those locations 600 to 1,000 square metres more commonly, whereas East Cannington was probably 1,000 to 10,000 more commonly. What's with the stigma of Queen's Park versus Cannington? I feel like there always yep. has been. Yeah, definitely. Why? Um, and, and that's probably because it was a much higher concentration for Homes West, as it was back then, Housing Commission. Um, what are Is they that called? the case these days? No. So there was a big development of that Housing Authority properties or Housing Commission properties that were demolished and removed back in the like mid-2000s. Uh, there was a development called Quattro, the Quattro Estate in Queen's Park, and that was all old Homes West Housing Commission properties. Um, you know, it's probably touching, I'd say, maybe two or three hundred properties in that location there now where it's all new homes, new housing built between 2008 and 2013. And so that brought in a new demographic. It was a lot of young buyers, young families, upgrading people, young professionals. And those are the sort of people who might be, you know, around our age, you know, early 30s to mid 40s. They'd had kids or when they bought, they didn't and now they do. And those kids are bordering on 10 to 15 now. And so it's a lot more family oriented you say it's quite a multicultural area these days as well? 100%, yeah. I don't think that you could 
pinpoint a percentage of a, a high ethnicity of, of any one uh, people. It's extremely diverse. Yeah, extremely diverse. How big of an impact do you think the redevelopment of Carousel on an amenities basis has had on demand for the area and by virtue of that prices? Yeah, so I think the that Carousel development was finished at the end of 2018 or somewhere around, yep. around about then and probably for the not quite 12 months but within the 12 months before that we noticed a big shift starting to happen with demand for rental properties people coming in because they'd been employed by these new shops that were opening up and they wanted to live close by to work i think you had your bigger shops like uniqlo and h&m and generally better quality stores that were coming in than what was previously there and that brought a new workforce and a new a desire to live close by to work it's the biggest shopping center in perth it's the biggest shopping center in wa yeah for now we just saw a huge change in the number of people wanting to live close by in the area because of that and i think it was more so particularly because of the workforce that that drew not only in the construction phase but now in the in the post-construction working phase what you're saying is it's just made the community larger essentially and those people needed and it's it's a great facility like you know the upstairs dining that they've got the the open air roof dining that they've got that brings people from the hills you know out lesmerty calamunda way it brings people from canning vale in whereas before those uh, people from out that way they weren't coming to cannington they were going either into east Vic park or down to frio um, there was no dining facility particularly at, in the evening so that's brought in that crowd and it's definitely um, definitely shifted that demographic talking about a crowd that's come in I spoke last week to the fact that our listenership has increased by 300% from the East Coast. Yeah, well. We've spoken to Shane Beaumont, Mike Jesslin, Michelle Kerr this calendar year, and they've all said that about a third of their buyers are now East Coast buyers. Yeah. Are you seeing pressure from the East Coast on purchases in the area, or do you think it hasn't uh, come yet? A little bit. I probably wouldn't say as much as 30%, but there's definitely been a higher level of interest than maybe what we would have seen 12 or 18 months ago. Yeah, There's just obviously there's better buying opportunities. You can get more for your dollar in compared to those eastern markets. Most markets around the median house price in Perth in the last two years have gone up at least 100 grand. Yeah. Is that the case in yep. your area? Yeah. Yep. What was 400 is now 500? Um, not in all cases. Really, it really depends. Like the probably the unit market hasn't moved as much. It's definitely moved. We were seeing typically some three by two properties, you know, mid 2000s selling under 300, whereas now quite often they're selling mid threes, sometimes high threes. Yeah, so you could say it's 70, 80 in some cases, but in some cases, say like bigger four by two homes in East Cannington, in some cases have gone up more than that. I guess what you're talking to there is a push on the owner-occupied space. Yes, You're seeing more of that pressure there than in the investment space still? 100%. Are there many investment development buyers? And as an extension of that, are there many investment development blocks that have been even available in in the area in the last six to 12 months? There's been a a scattering of a few um, and probably because of that, the interest in those blocks is still reasonably high. You know, it's not like they come up every week and there's plenty of opportunities for them. So when they do come up, generally they'll have a reasonably heightened level of of interest. But those developers, probably as you know, they're really conscious about construction costs, timeframes for builds and that. Um, And so that probably has stagnated growth in those development blocks compared to what you might think that they should have been. Left field question, Queen's Park, it's just come to me. I remember looking at properties in Queen's Park, especially the flight path. Yeah. How does that affect 
interest compared to the other two suburbs? It's generally okay. Most of the time, what I'll say to a buyer is, you know, when they mention the flight path, I'm like, I'm early 30s, you know, depending on their age, you know, I'll say, you're X number of years old. The airport was built in the 60s. It's not like you don't know that it was already there. So I don't feel that it's something that buyers can use as a reason to not purchase in that area. They already know that it's there. The market has been set based on it for decades already. The market's already been set based on that for decades. Like, it's not really something that puts off buyers they know it's there they know that they're going to get aircraft noise they know that there's going to be notifications on titles yeah it's not really something that i think significantly affects a buyer's willingness to be in the area but certainly there's probably an effect on price compared to cannington a little bit compared to cannington uh, but probably let's just say more so compared to say an an area uh, north of the river within the same distance to the city understand Let's segue into sellers. Who's your typical seller these days? And I know you have an array of product and properties in the city. Yeah. But is there a way for you to categorize who's selling right now and why? Yep. I'd probably say a majority of investors are exiting the market. People who bought either at the peak in 2013-14 or maybe within four or five years before that. They've had a really tough period from 2015 to 2020. And now that they've had some growth back, they can sell it for a price either close to what they paid or what they paid or what they owe and get out. And they're just, they're looking to put their money elsewhere. Whereas mid, say 2015 to 2019, they were just losing too much money. It was a difficult rental market. They were having to cough up X number of dollars every week to put in because the rent wasn't covering the mortgage uh, and they're burnt out yeah. and they just want to exit. So from our rent roll, I'd say we'd probably seen at least 10% sell so over the last 18 months, which is a pretty big number. Anyone else selling? But there's plenty of people upgrading as well. So, and, and I think what else we've seen is owner-occupiers who also have investment properties. They're cashing in their chips. They're selling the family home. They're selling the one or two investment properties they had and moving to a better suburb, either a better suburb or a better home. Um, and my thoughts on that is probably some somewhat related to COVID and with everything that happened in terms of people being locked in and locked down and can't go anywhere, they go, well, we want a, a better surroundings day to day. We want bigger home with a pool and you know facilities that if we get stuck in we're more comfortable with talking to that the data shows is a very high percentage of people that stay within their area when they move have you found that a lot of people are upgrading or downsizing within the area not as often there's a couple of reasons i think that is people in some cases want to be closer to the city one of the biggest reasons that people move in and out of cannington is high schooling is is one of them there's a uh, one good private high school st norbert's in queens park it's a really good school but if you're not catholic sadly you won't be able to go yeah so whereas the high schooling i would say is not people's first choice would you say therefore that the area can be seen as a stepping stone Correct. area a transitory yeah. area yep so people come in you know it's what they can afford you know maybe when they're a little bit younger maybe they don't have kids when they first move to the suburb then they've had kids and then when the kids are starting to come of school age um, or particularly closer to high school age that's when they're starting to think about where do i want to send my uh, children to to high school wilson manning Um, waterford riverton these sort of areas i'd probably say that the two most often selected suburbs would be uh, or, or school zones would be Willerton Rossmoyne but you're starting to see good movement out through Harrisdale Harrisdale Senior High School and out to Canningvale not as often through into to Victoria Park because um, it's the same sort of thing mm. you know, they don't have like a super well regarded high school let's swing back to development and subdivision as an extension of what we were speaking to before with regards to being landlocked 
with uh, the town planning scheme and needing roads to come in to be able to develop essentially. What other risks are there? What other costs are there specific to the city of Canning? Yep, so most within the city of Canning, you'll be subject to a 5% public open space contribution. Um, and so that's a 5% valuation on the unimproved land component. And so that can be somewhat prohibitive in comparison to other city town councils, although it's a little bit better than city of Gosnells where you've got a 10%. Well, look, and a lot of cities are moving towards 10%. So you nearly look at 5% and go, these guys are a little bit behind the times. All things being equal, that 5% is actually now something we can work with. The whole point of this 5%, really, it's an outline development plan, isn't it? Yeah. So it's specifically looking to fund the sewerage extensions, the road extensions of the underdeveloped parts of East Cannington and Cannington. Yeah, and right? to go towards um, things like parklands and upgrades to parklands. Mm. Um, and, you know, within that town planning scheme 21, there's a lot of parklands designated for inside those landlocked areas, which obviously they're, they're needing to save money up for to develop at some point in time. You found people have gotten caught out buying a block that's where half of it's going to be a park? Yes, definitely. But yeah, I mean, there's not really too much that they can do other than speaking to someone who's got an intricate knowledge of those sort of outline development plans. Yeah. Are you seeing people develop right now in Cannington East Cannington? Obviously, the build costs are excessive. Mm. Nothing stacks up on today's numbers. But a year ago, it did make sense. The building grants were available a year ago. Yeah. Are you seeing some construction happening right now? Yeah, we're still seeing some construction happening I would say that there's more uh, more developers wary on purchasing new developments just because they are aware of timeframes and costs involved now. But we're still seeing development from people who started things 12 months ago or inside 12 months ago. Mm. Um, and how are those developments, those villas especially, how they're going on the sales market? Red hot, yeah. Anything particularly brand new or off the plan, we're still seeing good sales happen. Even some land development or land sales, we're still seeing sell, but the buyers who are buying them, they're people who are building big family homes for them to stay a long period of time. They're not looking at or worrying about if it's going to be overvalued or overcapitalized when, when they finish. They're not price sensitive. They're looking no. for the lifestyle and they yeah. want to do their own thing. Yeah. You know, so they might spend, you know, three fifty on a block and then three fifty or four hundred on a build and it might not be worth seven fifty, it might only be worth 680 or 700 but you know they're not thinking to sell so it's not really in there the forefront of their mind let's move on to our last question i ask us of every number one agent in perth when they pop in what's the median house price in the area what would you say i'd say 430 that makes it tough for you with that money cam smart in your pocket today what would you be buying and where i'd be trying to find something that was a three two with two living areas street frontage and either a survey strata, no, no strata fees, or something green title. Bonus question, what's your favourite street? Either Mason Street or Woodlow Street. And why? Because they're on the river side of Cannington. So there's a, there's a part of Cannington which not a lot of people know that's there. And that's to the west of Albany Highway, where it butts along the Canning River. And there's a bunch of residential properties there that people don't even know that are there. In many cases, there's properties there which run right down onto the river. And it's very serene and tranquil and there's walking paths and bike paths and you're right up on the Canning River. So I'm going to say there. Cam Smart, Ray White, thank you very much for coming in, mate, and sharing three suburbs today with us, Queen's Park, Cannington and East Cannington. For all those listening, I think there's some space there for some good opportunities to buy. That's why we've, I've brought you in today, Cam. So thanks so much for coming in and I look forward to chatting to you again. Cheers. Thanks, Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. 
If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!